I was really intrigued by your cooking class where you were showing people how to do this SOS diet that we're hearing so much it's about. SOS free because we're promoting SOS free a, diet. Yeah, right, because we're promoting a, a whole food plant-based diet free of SOS sugar, oil and salt. Right, right, right. And let's talk a little bit about your diet. What do you eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner? Let's go through a menu for people okay. because a lot of people want to know about this this salt, oil, and sugar-free diet. Okay, so, you know, as extreme as it sounds, when you think about human history, our ancestors ate a predominantly plant-based diet throughout most of human history. We weren't eating salt. Salt was a rare commodity. It was actually used as salary. That's where the word salt comes from. So we weren't eating salt. We weren't eating processed food. We weren't eating refined sugar. There's no agave in nature. There's there's no brown rice syrup in nature. There's, you know, no succinat in nature. So people weren't eating refined sugar, and they certainly weren't eating refined oils. No, they weren't eat Cavemen weren't eating coconut oil. They they weren't, they were not any coconuts there and they didn't have tools to open them. So we weren't eating sugar, oil, salt throughout most of human history. So it's not really an extreme idea. It's really going back to what our ancestors ate throughout most of human history. Welcome, welcome. We have another exciting show today. And before I introduce our esteemed guest, I am Dr. Sal Lacanina. I am the medical director for the Lifestyle Medicine Institute and the CHIP program. And today we have as the title or the topic of our uh, talk today, no sugar, oil, and salt, no problem. And what that actually translates into is that we're going to be talking about the associated diseases, basically diabetes, heart disease, and hypertension. And obviously we don't want any of those things. So let me get on to, uh, to our introduction because we have an exciting person uh, that's joining us today, Dr. Um, uh, Chef AJ. So Chef AJ has been devoted to plant-based exclusive uh, living, I'll say, not even diet. This is really living for about 43 years. And I don't actually believe that it's 43 years because she certainly looks too good for 43 years of work. Uh, she's the host of her own television show, Healthy Living with Chef AJ, which airs on the Foodie TV. And um, she is a culinary instructor, a chef, a personal speaker. If you have not heard her speak before, she is fabulous, really entertaining. She's the author of a very popular book called Unprocessed, How to Achieve Vibrant Health and Your Ideal Weight. Um, she really started her own journey uh, when she was an overweight junk food vegan, as she describes it, and she was faced with her own health problems with precancerous polyps, and really take, going through her own learning, she really uh, learned how to nourish herself, nourish her body, and she's been uh, promoting that lifestyle for many years. Her latest best-selling book is called The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss, A Revolutionary Approach to Conquering Cravings, Overcoming Food Addictions, and Losing Weight Without Going Hungry. Uh, she's received many endorsements over the years from so many people that we know in the plant-based world, she was the executive pastry chef for Sante Restaurant in Los Angeles, where she was famous for her sugar, oil, and salt and gluten-free desserts, which use fruit, the whole fruit and nothing but the fruit, which I really like. I love that term. Uh, the recipes can be found in her upcoming book called A Date with Dessert, which I definitely want to be on. And she is the creator of the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, which has helped hundreds of people to achieve health, and the body that they deserve. Uh, she's actually proud to say that her cholesterol is lower than her IQ, which is amazing. 
And in 2008, she was inducted into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. Um, I'm going to turn the mic over to Chef AJ, and I'm sure we're going to have a lively discussion today. So thank you, thank you for being with us. We're so glad to have you. Well, thank you for having me. I wore a special shirt on this subject because where I first heard the concept of SOS Free was from this guy, Dr. Alan Goldhammer. Right, exactly. Yeah, I actually That's had great. two. I love the shirt. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I had and had another apron made. This is my little emblem of SOS Free. Uh, yeah, so like so yeah, I've been I'm, since August first, two thousand eight. I I've I've been vegan for forty three years and twenty eight days, but I've only been SOS free from August first, two thousand eight. Okay. And you know the dates, actually. I, I've so got one us, of those minds. <laughs> tell us why, why this is so important. You know, we deal with, as you know, all of these chronic illnesses that I mentioned at the start. We deal with diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease and such. And explain to us how the SOS-free diet is really involved in helping to treat, reverse, and prevent those illnesses. I think you're right, Dr. Sal, for people that already suffer from these chronic diseases, it's it's very important, if not essential. For somebody that, that doesn't, maybe they can have a little bit here and there. You know, it's sort of like, do I, I don't drink alcohol and I don't promote alcohol, but are there people that drink alcohol in this world that seem to be fairly healthy without being alcoholics? Probably. But if you're an alcoholic, then the best amount of alcohol for you is zero. Okay. If you already have a lifestyle disease, in my opinion, the best amount of these substances, which can be toxic in high doses, is probably already zero. You know, with the oil, most people in the plant-based space kind of agree that oil's not a health food, that it's a triumph of marketing over science, and that even if there was something healthy in oil, we could find it in the whole food from which it came. But the fact is, is we're dealing with an obesity epidemic in this country. And depending on which doctor I interview, some say it's 70%, some say it's 90%. So why we would want to pour fuel on the fire, and even if oil had health benefits, which I don't really believe it does, a food that's 4,000 calories a pound that has no fiber and no nutrients, to me, it just makes common sense. And, and in, in many ways of oil, sugar, and salt, oil is probably the easiest thing to get rid of from a culinary standpoint. So I don't think we get a lot of pushback from people about oil because the, the truth is, is if they feel they want to have fat in their diet, they can get it in a whole food form, nuts, seeds, avocado. Nobody's telling you that these foods are unhealthy. They are calorically dense. But the sugar and the salt, they, there seems to be a little bit divide in that. And so what I like to say to people, is I have to know what your what you want, what your goals are, and do the least restrictive diet that you can do that will get right. you the results you seek. So if your goal is reversal from high blood pressure and you're eating a lot of salt and you're on medication for high blood pressure, you might want to consider eliminating salt if that is your goal to reverse your high blood pressure and get off that medication. If you're suffering from food addiction or obesity and you find that you just can't stop eating, getting rid of sugar and salt can be enormously helpful. And the reason is, is because these both stimulate and fat too, sugar, fat, and salt. It's the trifecta. It, I call right. it the evil trinity. And I don't think that many people realize this unless they maybe listen to a friend of mine, Dr. Doug Lyle and his podcast, Beat Your Genes, where he talks about evolutionary psychology. Mm -hmm. is that nowhere in nature can you find sugar, fat, and salt in the same package. Right. Now, in every recipe you can, all processed <laughs> food and restaurant food, but think about every food that exists in the world, whether it's from an animal or not. There is no combination where you'll have sugar, fat, and salt together. You won't even have sugar and fat together or sugar and salt together or fat and salt together. 
That's what processed food is. That's what restaurant food is. And so we were never meant to activate those pathways together because what happens, and there's so many books on this subject if people are interested, The Pleasure Trap, for example, one, or even right. books like The End of Overeating by former head of the FDA, Dr. David Kessler, or Salt, Sugar, and Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us by investigative journalist and Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author Michael Moss. They talk about how sugar's addictive, fat's addictive, and salt's addictive. And when you put them together, in a process they call layering and loading, you create this hyperpalatable food that creates a bliss point in the brain of most people where when they hear things like, bet you can't eat just one, most people can't. You can't look to people who are naturally slender and don't have this. People like Dr. Lyle or my husband that can eat anything and be slender. That is not most people. Most people you know now are overweight and on some kind of medication for at least one lifestyle disease. The thing is, is we love sugar, fat, and salt because it's, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's good. the dopamine that we get in the brain from eating these hyperpalatable hedonic foods, we get so much pleasure from them. It's short-term pleasure, really, short-term pleasure for long-term pain. But the thing is, is it's not so extreme if you look back to evolution because really people have not been eating oil that long. When I tried to investigate this, when we started putting it in our mouth, actually Hans Deal, who's watching live, he talks about this in one of his uh, lectures about how when we really started eating oil as a society and things like Crisco, because back in the day we didn't. Oil was actually so prized, it was used as a prize in the Olympic games and the athletes would put it on their skin, not in their mouth. It really all started when we started processing food food because you can't find oil in nature anywhere. You can find fat, but there's no olive oil ponds or or peanut butter trees or or you know tahini bushes. There's no processed fats in nature. It's always in its whole food form, which by the way, a lot of people don't understand. Fat was not something very easy for our ancestors to get to. Things like avocado, nuts, these were seasonal and they and nuts especially came in hard packages. You can go to Costco today and get a three pound bag of shelled nuts and often they're oiled and salted for you. Our ancestors weren't doing that because there was not only the nut that the walnut came in, then there was like this other thing over that and another, it, I mean, nuts were like, it, it's, it's crazy when people think that we were eating an ounce of nuts a day every day because there was no, there wasn't access and it was, we didn't have really the tools to open them. And so you don't, you find whole food fats, at least our ancestors did occasionally in nature and there is fat in, for people that eat animal products, but you don't see any processed sugar. There's no agave or maple syrup or, or you know, there is honey in nature. That is true. But we, mm-hmm. that's that's something we would have to steal from the bees and our ancestors did eat some honey but there's no processed sugar in nature the sugar came from fruit and there's no salt in nature at least in concentrated forms we green vegetables have salt but there's you know you can argue okay there's salt licks but there was no salt shakers and so what people have to understand if you like sugar fat and salt you're normal you're supposed to like it because we're genetically hardwired to prefer sugar fat and salt for survival because that's what our ancestors had to do to survive if they saw high fat foods they gorged on them because they didn't know when they would have access again if they saw for example they, they could tell the difference between poisonous berries and non-poisonous ones by the fact that the, the ones that were safe to eat were sweet. And we didn't always have access to clean drinking water. And so we always preferred the food with the highest sodium content to prevent dehydration. And yet, and these foods are things like greens and vegetables. And so you are genetically hardwired to prefer sugar, fat, and salt for survival. But you're supposed to get it from 
whole foods that right. are from a plant, not foods, as Dr. Hans Deal says, that are manufactured in a plant. <laughs> Excuse me. And nowadays, Americans are eating something like, depending on who you talk to, 62% and upwards of their calories from processed food. It's not food. That's why I wrote a book 10 years ago that Dr. Hans Deal wrote the forward to, Unprocessed. Processed food is delicious. It's readily available. It's easily affordable. It's socially acceptable, but it's not food. And that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> that's great. That's a wealth of information. So how does the average person take that information and actually translate that into their daily lives because food in and of itself is so cultural, it's so emotional. I mean, you know, food in and of itself is, is involved in every aspect of our lives. And when you say, let's take an individual to uh, from the standard American lifestyle and standard American diet and have them eat more whole foods, how do you actually make that transition? You have this knowledge in your head now I have to put it into my hands and into my kitchen. Yeah, that is the million dollar question, Dr. Sal, because a lot of people know what to do and mm -hmm. they even know how to do it, but they don't do it. And I'm not an expert in human behavior. There's an old saying, uh, how, many, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is one, but the light bulb has to want to change. I think people have to have their, what they call, Dr. Rosanna Oliveira talks about the why that makes you cry. People have to be motivated because if they're not motivated, you know, Dr. Goldhammer, whose shirt I'm wearing today says, sometimes people just aren't fat enough and sick enough yet. Sometimes mm -hmm. people really, it's unfortunate because very, very few people that I know have done this just because it was a good idea for health and longevity. My husband is one of the few, Sharon McRae, I can, Dr. Goldhammer, I can probably name four people that, they got this information said, oh, that's great. I want to prevent heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease, obesity, so I'm going to eat this way on purpose. No, usually people have to be either at death's, death's door or about to go on medication for diabetes or go on dialysis where they'll you know, think about changing. And I think the longer you wait, the harder it gets because these addictions, you, you, your taste gets just so... It, it, with these sugar, fat, and salt entrenched in these, in these uh, hedonic foods that it's hard. So I think... Sometimes for people, there are people that do better leaning into things and going slowly. And there are people right. that do better doing a, you know, pulling off the band-aid quickly. That's me. If you're an addict, that's probably the only way that's going to work. But if you have some time, like, like if somebody is a 20-year-old fit athlete, they come to my cooking class, I'm going to say, hey, you have to avoid all sugar and salt. I, I mean, I would probably mm -hmm. tell everybody to avoid oil and get their fat from whole food sources. But it really just depends on the individual, their level of debility and, and, and why they want to do this. And even when they have a a real compelling reason to do this, it's still gonna be hard because we live in an environment of a 7-Eleven fast food restaurant every single corner. And the yeah. truth is, is most people, and this is what I say, I don't work with people individually in their home anymore, but most people live in a 7-Eleven. And the first place to start is with your environment. If you want to make healthy lifestyle changes, the first thing you have to do is look in your environment. And what is in that environment right now that is making it so difficult? If you're somebody trying to quit smoking, stop buying cigarettes. Don't have them in the house for company. Right. Don't even have ashtrays in your house that's going to be a cue to remind you or even matches, things like that. So I think that one of the first things you have to do is get serious about cleaning up your environment. And then the next thing I tell people is start adding the healthy food in. If you're not willing to go 100%, at least let's increase your fruits and vegetables. Start 
eating more fruit and vegetables. And if you don't know how to do that, then for some people, the easiest thing is to make a smoothie because that's one way you can get your greens and your fruit in one shot first thing in the morning. I don't recommend it necessarily for weight loss, but if that's the only way people will eat fruits and vegetables is in a delicious, that's how I started with a delicious green smoothie, which you know you can do. There's so many recipes now. Do it that way. But it's very, very hard to get people to, I'm sure you know as a doctor, even though you have probably many, many success stories, I think if you look at everybody, it is very hard to get people to affect permanent dietary and lifestyle change because right. of this notion that Dr. Lyle and Goldhammer talk about called the pleasure trap. It's, it's They're always being pulled back because these things, sugar, fat, and salt are addictive separately, but when you put them together, they're even more addictive and I think what people don't understand unless they've read The Pleasure Trap is that sugar, fat, and salt, the way we have it today, not the way it's found in nature, it fools your brain's satiety mechanisms and it just mm -hmm. causes you to constantly mm -hmm. overeat. So I, you know, people say, oh, you're so perfect, you're so extreme. No, I, I do this because it, it's easier. It is easier to have a slender body and a calm brain and not be a food addict who's obese. I never have to think about food because my food isn't so hyper palate. My food's delicious, by the way. We're meant to, to appreciate the taste of whole natural food without these chemicals that I don't have to think about it anymore. And before that, I was a compulsive eater, a compulsive over eater and all I thought about was food. Now I only think about it at mealtime. It's delicious. But if I start adding these chemicals, then I, it's like my brain is so sensitive. It's like, whoa, there's some salt in here. I can tell this, you know, because yes, it tastes better, which isn't necessarily a good thing if you're struggling with a lifestyle disease. The food can taste better without these substances, but mm -hmm. people don't give it time. It can take 30 days to get used to food that is not, you know, that doesn't have salt all over it. And a lot of people won't give it the, the time it takes to, to make that change. Right. And the, and the change is slow. But what's really interesting is, you know, when you're eating foods that are saturated with salt and sugar and fat, I think you get that quick pleasure, which is really a pleasure in your brain. But when you can convince people and help them on their readiness journey, if you will, to un understand and to really think about how do you feel physically after you eat a healthy meal? How do you feel physically after you eat a meal that's loaded with salt, sugar, and, and fat? And there is a big difference. And when people really start to get mindful of, about how they feel physically, how their cognition is, how their energy level is, I think they see that the pleasure that they get from eating the standard American foods is very transient. And usually physically, they actually feel worse. That's why, you know, at Thanksgiving time, when everybody's gorging themselves and, and at other, you know, holidays and such, people have to go take a nap after they eat because they're eating foods that are really hard to metabolize. It affects their metabolic level and such. So I, I like your, your analogy about, you know, how that, and, and even talking about the bliss point, uh, a lot of people don't really understand what that is. That, that, that's that area in your brain that lights up when you have sugar or salt or fat. And that really makes a difference in your behavior. So I think our goal as healthcare providers is to understand where people are at as far as their readiness to change and then help them to get on that journey so that they can make the appropriate changes and live with those things as a lifestyle, not a diet, because we don't talk about diets. We talk about you know, changing your lifestyle, if you will. Um, I'm going to encourage everyone to, if you have questions, put your questions in the chat box. Um, so we can have those available. Uh, someone says, I think it's easier to adopt.
this lifestyle when you're also connected to the animals and the planet? Well, that's that's a good comment. I mean, what do you approach your um, your clients with lifestyle changes that are primarily affecting human health, or do you also get involved in planetary health and the and the the suffering of the animals? Yeah, well, I, I think all three are important, and that's where we get to the why that makes you cry, because some people initially aren't in it for the animals. I became an ethical vegan September 1st, 1977, so they're always in my heart and mind, and the reason that even if it wasn't healthy, I would probably still do it. And by the way, you can be a, a very unhealthy vegan. I was for 26 years. I was sure. obese, had the precancerous polyps, and so you, yes, you can be a junk food vegan, but I still and for the animals, but not everybody right away is. I have found that since Forks Over Knives came out in 2011, more people are doing it for human health, which is fine. Right, right. And then as they start eating this way and not eating the animals, they become more compassionate towards the sure. animals, even if they sure. never had a pet. And all of a sudden they find, wow, I can't even you know, cook this food for my family anymore. And and so so they'll have a change that way. You know, the, the planet, people in 1977, when I went vegan, people weren't doing it for the environment. It, we, it didn't, if it was at risk, then it wasn't really talked about. And there's some people now that come to it for that is their primary reason. It doesn't matter. You know, th that's what I always say. It doesn't matter why you're vegan. It, it just, right. just, just, just do it because you are helping planetary health, human health, animal welfare. It's a win-win. What other diet can hit all three of those notes? Keto, right. paleo, carnivore? No. You know, so so again, I think people want to be good people and be compassionate people. And and this is this is the best thing you can do for all three of those things. And and you you know, depending on who you talk to, we're not going to have a world to save if people don't no. start becoming vegan. That's exactly right. So there were a couple of questions here about oil and ghee. Uh, somebody says from, uh, Margarita says, from an uh, Ayurvedic perspective, oil or ghee is considered very healthy. Can you comment on this? Well, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not an Ayurvedic practitioner, but I know that there are many accomplished vegan chefs like vegan Richa that, that you can get recipes from without those things. So I would have to ask first, why are they considered healthy? Because they're very high in fat and high with the dairy part is very high in cholesterol and saturated fat. So when you say healthy, healthy for what? Because realize everything has a cost benefit analysis. Lots of doctors will tell you that red wine is healthy because it contains a compound called resveratrol, which you can get by the way from eating grapes. So while it may healthy for that reason, it's unhealthy for all the other reasons that the World Health Organization says they don't recommend any amount of alcohol is safe because it's linked to every cancer. So again, you know, sometimes people want, as Dr. McDougall says, good news about their bad habits. But again, everything, you know, even water's healthy, everybody agrees. But if you drink 10 gallons of it, you'll die of water toxicity. Absolutely. So I would have to know from that perspective why it's considered healthy. But one of the things I, I when I work, not everybody's going to go 100% vegan even, but I try to work with people at least on getting dairy out of their diet first because I think even more so than oil is probably the most deleterious thing that they could eat. And right. so, yeah, I just, again, I'd have to know why it's healthy to, so that I can tell you why it's unhealthy. Well, you know, it's interesting, and, I, and this is my 26th year practicing general medicine and lifestyle medicine for the past 12 or so years. I'm seeing more and more young people with cardiovascular disease coming in after they've had a heart attack or a stroke and they have really high lipids and such. I think we have to really focus on what's happening to people in America and in all developed countries and figure out 
what's the lifestyle all about? What's the, the diet all about that really has such a dramatic impact on our health and really do something about it because we can have such a major impact on the health of, as you mentioned before, humans, the planet, the animals, by just changing what we eat on a regular basis. So um, tell us more about your books and uh, about ways that, that people that are uh, on the line today can get involved with you and learn more from you because you're a wealth of information that we need to, to continue to, to gather from you. Well, thank you for asking. I really appreciate that because I have a new book coming out next week. I forgot <laughs> to grab a copy of Unprocessed. That's the book with the potato on it. But the yes. one that was the bestseller for seven weeks, The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss, has all S all SOS free recipes. I think it's 117. Okay. And if you speak German, it's now available in German. <laughs> I actually gave a copy to Hans Deal. And what's nice about the German edition is it's got it's got photographs, which I didn't do with the uh, American one. You mentioned uh, uh, my book, A Date with Dessert. It's going to be in print as soon as I can get it out, but it's still available as an ebook. But next okay. week, I have a new book coming out with Glenn Merzer with 81 new recipes and 35 from contributors that are wonderful bloggers and they're all SOS free and this is called own your health and if people subscribe for my mailing list we're going to do a, a promotion where if you buy the day we ask you we'll give you the audible copy for free so you can listen to it which is kind of nice as long as as well as bonus recipes now you have some offers that um, th that uh, we can tell them about sure. uh, for people to get involved yeah absolutely tell us about I know that um, I have a membership group called feel fabulous over 40 you can be younger than 40 but it, as long as you're willing to be fabulous and we offer two weeks for free if you'd like to try it out it's got lots of recipes and interactions we do something like this every Wednesday night at 5 often with doctors like Frank Sabatino and dr. Lyle they come on once a month and answer questions and let's see if you sign up for my mailing list you'll just get a, a few recipes like I think six that are very nice and oh oh hello um, I've been typing it in the chat so I do a, a, a free show every day on YouTube sometimes even one or two and today at two o'clock I'll be interviewing dr. Goldhammer for a Q&A and I've been doing this since March 20th and I plan to go to at least March 22nd of next year and you just hop on YouTube my chef AJ YouTube page and you can ask the, the guests dr. Sal was actually on the show recently yes, and hopefully a lot of people that. more and more people hopefully found out about him and dr. deal has been on several times and is coming on again and it's it's a live show which gives it a kind of I think a funner component than a, a pre-recorded one because I think the guests tend to be a little bit more animated and then you can ask the guests questions so I really enjoy doing that well I think you're you're an amazing resource you know in in my practice um, I think that's one of the beneficial things that we can offer are resources from people that are involved in this on a regular basis that really are are um, authorities on healthy living and uh, healthy nutrition and all. So this is just great to add to the list that we could provide to people to really help them with their, their daily lives. I'm just looking here to see if there are any more. Yeah, I saw a couple of questions. One from yeah, Madeline saying, I have been weaning off salt, oil, and sugar. I find oil the greatest challenge. I've been substituting veg broth and water. Is it a challenge because the food doesn't taste good or because it's not giving you the same amount of dopamine? So realize the more calorically concentrated the calories, the more dopamine that feel good neurotransmitter is produced in the brain. So my question is, is it because you don't, you don't get the high from it or you don't think it tastes good? That, that I would, that's why if you can, 
more information. And Joe says, how do you navigate eating out? I have a whole free webinar on my Chef AJ YouTube page, How to Eat Healthfully Everywhere, and also chapter four in my book, I believe, where I talk about that. And and, and it's it's not a short answer, but I'll try to give you the, the thing is, is a couple of things you do is you, you find restaurants that will accommodate you and you can actually work with restaurants to create I've done this, you know, right. and to, to create the kind of things that, that you're willing to eat and also the type of restaurants. So unfortunately, Sioux Plantation has closed since the pandemic, but that type of restaurant where people could get what they want or what I call a poke bowl restaurants where you're customizing mm -hmm. bowls so that it, it is, it can be more challenging depending on where you live, but it also can be done. Calling ahead is a great thing or just making sure you have a belly full of potatoes or sweet potatoes before you go out to eat so that you're not going to be picking out on all that food because you're so hungry so right yeah I like the idea of being prescriptive when you're uh, at a restaurant you know I don't think that there's any reason why in most restaurants you can't ask the chef to add something healthier take something out you know saute with water or vegetable broth if they have that available so you can really and, and the more we become knowledgeable about how we can cook and how we would like to eat the easier it is to eat out I think you can go to almost any restaurant and if you give the chef some information about what you really want in the meal, uh, I've been to so many places where they're very accommodating and rarely will they ever not do what you're asking. If that's the case, go find someplace else to eat. Uh, here's a question from Deb, uh, Diane. My husband does not follow my whole food plant-based SOS lifestyle, so we have lots of junk food around, which I don't have a problem with, but I do struggle with beer and I can't eliminate it from the house. What can I do? So, you know, there's an old saying, uh, hang around a barber shop, and it's just a matter of time you get a haircut. And so I don't have the answer because I, I don't I don't know how to I, do you have an answer dr. Sal because to me every doctor I've interviewed says the environment is the most important predictor to the, the success of the individual and if you struggle with something if it's in the house my old saying is if it's in the house it's in the mouth so other mm -hmm. than I guess the only thing you could do is lock it up or you know get a locked food safe and have him keep it there one of the sessions in the chip program is on re-engineering your environment and I just wrote a, news, a newspaper article on re-engineering your internal environment as well as your external environment. So everything that you can do in the house and creating the pantry that's the pharmacy, F-A-R-M, pharmacy, you know, that has healthy food, eliminating those things uh, from the house. I think that really is the short answer that we all have to do, but also re-engineering your internal environment. So when you can re-engineer your brain to realize that the more beer that I drink, the harder it is for me to stay healthy. It's going to affect my brain, my heart, my kidneys, my liver. Um, you really have to continue to understand that this is about healthy living. And if you want to live a long life and you want to live a vital life and you want to get to the blue zones like, you know, so many other people, I think we have to really take uh, take hold of that. It's It's very hard to have those things in the house and then not go after them when they're calling to you. I agree. The secret to my success is having a clean environment. Dr. Lyle has always said we must work harder on our environment than we do ourselves. And, you know, there's a there's a program called One Year No Beer and there's something else called the Alcohol Experiment. Uh, you know, if it was if it was that was my situation, I would just say to my husband that you have to drink the beer outside the house. Right. That's what I would yep. do. I so Nicholas says, even plain water cooked oatmeal with banana lets me binging because somehow my brain feel like it's cake. Is that a usual thing 
uh, with food addicts. I actually have a video on my YouTube channel called Is Oatmeal and Fruit Cake? So I don't think it's it's everyone, but the thing is, is I would ask what kind of oatmeal you're using. Because if you're using rolled oat or instant oats, I would say, does that happen when you actually eat the whole grain, which is not even steel cut, but the oat growth? And, and you're picking literally the highest sugar fruit next to dates, next to dried fruit, banana. So you could maybe consider having oats in a savory way or maybe just having a different starch like beans and greens instead of oatmeal and fruit. Yeah, because some, some, it is for some people that they I, I've seen that with that effect with oatmeal because it is it is so processed, the rolled oats. So, yeah. Well, when, we, when you were interviewed by the gentleman from the Happy Cow, um, I think he asked you what you eat for breakfast. And it's really interesting because you said, I eat vegetables for breakfast. And when we all go to the plant-based conferences, whether it be Plantrition or ACLM, they have salad and vegetables at breakfast at every meal. So, you know, the point is you don't have to eat breakfast foods for breakfast. You can eat something that's healthy, and that's really what we should do. For all meals, we should be eating something that's healthy. Other cultures in other countries don't eat, you know, sugary cereals and 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 Danish and Cinnabons for breakfast. It's the United right. States where I think something like 67% of the people eat box cereal for breakfast. So exactly. other other cultures eat food for breakfast. Right. You know, like my friend Darshana, she's the Forks Over Knife chef. Their their breakfasts are savory. You know, it's it's United States. It's mm -hmm. sugar, flour, and caffeine. Well, if it's coming out of a box or a bag, I always, that's one of the things that I will tell my patients. If it's coming out of a box or a bag, it's processed food. Animal protein now is processed food with all of the hormones and antibiotics and pesticides and such. So we really have to be very cognizant about what we're putting in our mouth if we want to stay healthy. You see any more questions there that you'd like to answer? Let me see. So, yeah, Gina says she enjoys eating veggies for breakfast. Uh, Vester says, give examples of your breakfast. Again, on my YouTube page, I have so many recipe ideas and also in my book. But my generally, you guys, remember that breakfast literally means break fast. It doesn't right. mean that when I wake up at 7, I have to give myself fuel if I'm not hungry. So right. I haven't eaten breakfast yet because I've been working all day. So after this show, my breakfast, which most people would call lunch, is going to be at one o'clock. And it's going to be about a pound of steamed broccoli with about one and a half pounds of my favorite Hannah yams. And that's going to hold me for four or five hours till I eat dinner. So my breakfast is vegetables and starch. And we're just a little over over our time, but you know this is so exciting, and and certainly let's do uh, both shows again, so we can gather more information from you. Um, I want to thank you. You were just such a wonderful pleasure to to talk to and to learn from, and your energy is so enthusiastic. And um, I think we we really have to live life with enthusiasm and realize that the things that we do, you know, I always talk about the six pillars of lifestyle medicine when we talk about the CHIP program. So eating healthy, exercising regularly, um, stress management and mental health, purposeful living and, um, and sleep, you know, those things are really what allow us to be healthy and active and energetic. And you are just the epitome of all those things. Um, so I wanna thank you so much for being on the show. Next week is uh, from CHIP session 18, from surviving to thriving. And this was really also another very fun episode that we recorded with Darren Morton, who's also a blast to talk to. So before we end, Chef AJ, any closing remarks for the people that are on the line? Well, eat your veggies. Whatever you're <laughs> not doing, just eat your veggies. 
Okay, very good. We'll make sure that everybody does that. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. It's wonderful to see you as always. Uh, God bless to everybody in the audience, and we will see you again next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Sal.